Um, so I'm in the 18th floor of a hotel in Reno, and I'm, I've got my notes on my little laptop, and I'm ready to go. I'm so proud of you. For the West Coast Project podcast for Louis TV. Uh, Louis 409, Elevator Part 6. My name is yes. Mike, and your name is? Michelle. Hey, Michelle. Hi, Mike. Um, so... I'm trying to remember my notes, and I'm at a little bit of a disadvantage because I don't have the TV to play back anything. I don't have any audio. Um, but I think the show started from the strange news reports and that um, people were dying because fire was too hot for their bodies. Right. <laughs> the 10 people who died in the Bronx. Yeah. So you got to chip in as much as you can because I'm, I'm only sure. at the mercy of my notes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it starts out with Louie and is sitting talking to a friend in a bar. And they're talking about, of course, he's kind of lamenting over Amia. Uh, she's going to leave. and But the, the news cuts in. And it's just the nonsense that we've heard on the news before, which is really kind of funny. And it's getting funnier as it goes along to me. Yeah, it's getting more obscure. Yes. Well, that friend is Nick DiPaolo. Nick's been on a few times. Yeah. And Nick's trying to decipher the meaning of the he's looking for the sexiest, raunchiest version of Louis interpreting Louis's news. Like so you bang the old broad downstairs and Louis's like, No, 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 she has a niece. Like she you banged an underage girl or whatever, whatever he said about it, but he tries to embellish it to his demented mentality. Um but Louis talks about Ami, I guess, and um how he tells him how she was crying, I guess. Yeah, uh-huh. And I didn't see that. Did you see that? I don't know if they showed us that. She was upset, obviously, but I don't know if we saw her cry. Well, I just, I don't know if I saw her cry. I guess I just believe it when Louise says it. Sure. sure. Why do girls cry when they do? That was happy. It was right. It was like happy time for them. Uh, Amia wasn't very happy. Remember, we're talking about once they did get intimate, she wasn't very happy. Remember, this is how we ended with her being pretty upset. And the whole awkwardness of the scene and everything, which, of course, plays out again in the next episode. It's just awful. But yeah, one other note I made about Nick is he said something like, um, having sex doesn't make it serious, kind of counter to Ivanka. Having screened the cow makes her your cow. Right, unless it's 1958 or something like that. Or since 1958, maybe, or something. He says something like that. And and then I put um, Louie and Amia are in the park, and then the, in the rain, and then in the church. Well, yeah, it's almost like the, the rain forced Louie inside the church, because Amia went on in, and then he kind of stood outside awkwardly but the rain picked up and it kind of forced him in and then they had that conversation where he's talking to her and of course she can't understand anything and she starts talking back to him and he can't understand anything and he's getting really frustrated now with their lack of communication where we haven't seen that before it's like he's enjoyed the lack of verbal communication and now he's getting really frustrated at it so he wants to go back and have Ivanka translate yeah, Louis wants to offer a million dollars for communi- to communicate. Mm. <laughs> but Louis's sorry. He says he's sorry, but he doesn't know why he's sorry. And when I wrote that down, I think I remember um, thinking it's too much in too short of a time. They're not even communicating, and Louis's like head over heels with this girl. 
So it's more about Louis and his loneliness than about Louis and his connection with Ami, I think. Well, yeah. I mean, we kind of talked about that. We touched on it before. His desire to get so close so fast in this relationship that he knows is going to end. It's, it's, it's all about him. But now he's involved her. And now her heart's in it. Her body's in it. Her emotions are in it. And I don't think she's very happy with that move. So Louis dragged her out of there to try to get Ivanka to tra- to um, translate, and all Ivanka's good for is woohoo, sex! You had you tried to have sex, or she doesn't really um, translate very well. Amy well, doesn't want her to he- to hear. Yeah, obviously she's dirty. not going to talk about it in front of Ivanka, and so that makes Louis upset. And then Louis mentions that they had sex, and then Ivanka just she really kind of loses it, starts throwing dishes and. Then Louis starts throwing dishes. I thought that was a little, what'd you think? A little extreme? Gotta love that spunky Ivanka, though. She wants to hear about the sex, and <laughs> she's mad that I, she's not gonna. Yeah, I don't know. I think she was just trying to help. She was really kind of taken aback when they're in this. They've even ramped it up that far. They're in this, it's like a physical thing. Not with one another, but throwing things i mean and he's screaming at, or yelling not screaming but yelling to ivanka to tell amia that he loves her tell her tell her i love maybe her. that's the hungarian way like the throwing plates well louis had adopted it pretty quickly because he grabbed a big pile of them too of course they cut the the sound out I assume they really did cut the sound out. That wasn't just my TV or something, correct? Yeah, come on. It was a, it was art, arty. It was art. Okay, and it, and it was. And then they it cut didn't the, come they back. cut the vocal out while the storm sound still played. Yeah. So that, and, how could that be your TV? It cuts well, out part well, of the sound and not the other. No, I, I don't think I heard the storm still playing. But then in the background, the TV comes on. About. Well, don't miss that, though. That was a pretty cool artsy thing, that the vocals cut out, but the storm continued. That was, like, cool. I mean, we're supposed to notice that. Well, I noticed, but I don't know if I noticed what I was supposed to. I'll have to go back and watch that again. So all the news is to evacuate lower Manhattan. Everyone in the Bronx or Brooklyn is already dead. And uh, Louis needs to get to his kids and... I took this as Louis kind of seeing his real priorities, like his lark with Amia is kind of secondary to what he really needs to do now, and that's to get to his kids and be with them. Yeah, and, th- and then suddenly it was just over. I mean, they, like, kiss one another goodbye. They give a little kiss goodbye. She understands that he needs to get to his kids, and and the whole drama of everything they were trying to say and communicate and everything is just just done based on the real problem a real well problem. they're done they're done <laughs> Look, yeah they amia are. to louis is not what louis thinks it is it's louis to louis that's the real issue i think um so louis preps himself by waterproofing with baggies and garbage bags and puts one over his head <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good then he Can like he, gets- he stocks up with birthday candles and a light bulb i don't know why a light bulb but and duct tape and a banana i mean Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just crazy. It was like he was just gra- But I think it was showing that he was actually a little panicked. And he was just 
he just had in mind to get to his kids. What do you think about how Janet was reacting to that? That seems so not like a normal trait of her. Right. To be I took so it as panicked. cool, calm Janet is all of a sudden panicky. And Louis, while he's preparing the totally wrong way, he has the right instinct. Like he's preparing. He's not going to light anything up with a, two birthday candles and a light bulb. So he's totally preparing the wrong way, but his instinct is perfectly tuned in. Perfectly. And that's what I took of it. That And that the storm was like the storm in Louis's life. The the storm approaching Manhattan was this whole storm of Amia or Pamela or Janet and the kids. It's all raging around him. But he does such a good job. I mean, when push comes to shove, he his instincts and his reactions in this instance certainly are perfect. Yeah, it's a pretty cool odyssey of like, of his life and the priorities that he needs to sort out. Well, he was a hero. Well, he some funny things along the way. He meets the guy looking for a dog. Not his dog, but a dog. <laughs> that was that guy's priority. That was like somewhere, somehow not very serious compared to Louis, I guess. Well, yeah, it's like this hurricane brought out the crazies or something. What was up with that? Was it just like the people that were left were the nuts or something? Because you had crazy people all over the place. Yeah, I guess. I guess it stirs it up and sorts things out, I guess. I guess. Did you ever do the thing Louis did with his car where he opens the door to look down to see how high the flood water is? Have you ever driven, driven through high water or a flood like that? I, well, yeah, I have. I mean, not... I don't think he was actually driving through a flooded, per se, area, but when he drove he, and he stopped and he opened the door because he had to get out and the water was rushing by, yes, I've had that experience before. And that's really scary. And I liked how they showed the look on his face. He was scared. He showed himself being scared, but he did it anyway. Well, there's a whole technique to that. Like, you got to open the door and see that the water is below the level of the door because then it won't get up into the engine right and then you can keep going and you just kind of inch along but you have the door open so you can see what depth of water you're in that's scary though particularly the way that water was running i mean it doesn't take a lot of water a lot of depth of water to knock a man off his feet running in that you know as fast as that was with that kind of current (laughs) okay thanks for that weather report that weather tip it's true. It's true. Well, he's you driving ever... in his car. He's like trying to no, see. No, but he's he's getting out. He gets out in that. That's when he gets out. I know. I I'm think. making the point about how you drive your car through a flood, though. Okay. I don't think you do. I think we should, if we're going to make that point, I think the point is to never drive your well, car. Well, you can if it's below the level of the floor of your car. You can keep uh, going. Yeah, but you don't know if it's going to stay there. Well, that's you why you look. Never drive through that's why you uh, keep no, no, that's such a man. See, I, that's why I think you haven't ever done this because you. Well, don't I've know. Nev- no, I've never driven through a flooded area deliberately, but I've opened my door and had like water running. Well, that's by not what I asked kind of- you. I'm asking if you've ever driven through high water in your car, where you kind of peek through the door to see how high it is, so you know if you can keep going or not. No, of course not. I'm not a guy who does crazy things like well, that. Well, if you want to get past the flood that's what you have to do no oh my gosh don't give advice like that no if you come upon flood water you don't go in it you scream and panic like janet maybe better than driving through it he gets to them finally and patrick's not there which is kind of cliche of course they need him and he's not there 
So it opens the door for Louis to be the hero. And Janet's like more panicky and Louis hugs her and the kids smile at Louis hugging Janet. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I noticed that. Where where do you think Patrick was? Why wouldn't Patrick be there? He was stuck because he couldn't drive through the water because he was afraid that he was... Well, he shouldn't drive. I don't think Louis was driving through the water. that's where he was. That's what stopped him. That's when he stopped the car and it was just running down the roadway right there. Well, Louis stays calm. He has a calm demeanor despite his crappy planning. Um, And he saves the day for them and carries them all even janet out to the car so i think yeah. that i think the takeaway is it's not how good you are at something it's the fact that you take action like louis was really bad at the prep for this but he took action and that was the the real main the good thing i think so too and also his priority he completely forgot the stupid argument with this foe maybe relationship or bloated relationship or whatever you might want to call it. And he took care of what was important. Yeah. And then your other crazy guy ran past. Like, I'm sure it just crazy storms brings out crazy people like a (laughs) bare chested fat guy just screaming. Yeah. Naked, naked guy running through just yelling. I don't know. So then we see the Hungarian restaurant dinner translation. And this looks like it was all Amia's idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess because she didn't want Ivanka to know, but um, maybe she trusted that guy or she trusted the restaurant or just thought it was the right setting. But um, the waiter translates a note that she had written for Louis. That waiter was a great actor. Yuri Tzikin, Tzikin, Yuri T-S-K-Y, T-S-Y-K-U-N, Zikin, okay. Yuri uh-huh. Zikin. Okay. He's been in a couple of things, but he was really good. He was really good with his words and he was really good with his facial and his mannerisms. And he, he it was like the emotion got to him of the whole thing. Yeah, no, it was almost like he was saying it or something. Like he was feeling it as he was reading it. And she almost had to talk him into doing it. Well, she did have to talk him into doing it. He didn't want to do it. And he was kind of saying, no, no. And then she talked him into it. And so he went and got his glasses and sat down and had that conversation with Louie. Yeah, and Ami's actually a pretty good writer. I, I liked what she had written down. Was there anything in that that was surprising to you? No, I was kind of, I mean, this is the end of Louie and Amia, so it was kind of a little bit drawn out to me. I mean, we kind of know, maybe we know too much by looking at the future episodes, but we kind of know that there's three Pamela's coming up, and there's two other episodes, and this is the last Amia. Not knowing that this was the last Amia might have made it different, but Amia's out. You know, she's. This is the end of Louis and Amia. So, I guess I appreciated the acting of the translator and the mm-hmm. and the words of Amia, but that was about it. I wasn't sad or I didn't feel like a loss that Louis might have felt in real life there. No, I think the communication was good and i i kind of like that they ended it with the communication because he finally got some serious communication from amia and he was okay with that just the fact that he he got the the communication you think was important 
I think it was important considering what we've been talking about this whole season about his lack of communication and how he anybody that he does communicate with he can't get along with for any length of time. And then since he didn't have communication with Amia, that seemed to be what was almost fueling this in a way. And then now, um, he's he got some communication from her. And it made him sad, but it was what he felt as well, and he was kind of okay with that. And I kind of liked that resolution of it. I thought it was drawn out maybe just a little bit too, but it's just like you said, the acting was so good that I didn't mind it at all. Yeah, it was time for her to communicate. He was he had been trying to communicate. Right, and, and we could understand him the whole time, but we couldn't under. And plus, we've heard him speaking to friends about her and saying the things he felt. And we hadn't understood. I mean, you know, vague one one liner sentences translated by Ivanka is all we've heard from her this whole time that we understood. So, well, but it was neat how she felt, and I thought it was really touching how she was saying how she missed things every day. And how she didn't share that with anybody. It was just hers alone. It doesn't matter like though. She's got not going to be there. So I know that's what, that's what tempered it for me. It like, it like watered it way down. She's not going to be there. So I could love you in another time. It doesn't, it doesn't mean much to me when I know that she's not going to be there to follow through on that. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that's, that's a paradox <laughs> kind of, right? Uh, yeah, but the Fargo's episodes are on Wednesday. Oh, so. okay. Dang. Okay. Anyway, you know, change is coming. You know, we all got to accept change. And if you look at the analogy of the storm, we got to stop trying to keep our feet dry and just splash in the puddles like Louis did and just blast through the change. Um, so some time has passed now for we're in episode 410 now, the next one, because there's snow in the park where Louis and Amia had just walked through the rain. Right. And um, I saw the music or heard the music as somewhat hopeful, like jaunty, a little jaunty and hopeful. Yeah, but but the scene was sad, and that was kind of a good clue maybe as to what was coming, kind of. I don't know. Well, it was affectionately sad. sad, but it wasn't terribly sad. He's walking alone, carrying like a sack of groceries or something. Oh, I thought you were already in the, I thought you were already at the scene of the apartment. Oh no, not yet. No, uh, no, I didn't see the walking. I thought the snow walking was hap was like not happy but hopeful, futuristic, like fresh, new. You know. Oh wow! It's different, I thought it's... completely different. Cold and alone, and his one little meager bag of groceries compared to the big bountiful basket that he shared with Ivanka and Ami. I just saw it completely opposite that. Change is coming, Michelle. You got to accept Okay. It. I'm trying. Okay. Deep so breath. Louis sees the, you know, the thing that makes everyone sad is an old place where you used to see or know someone and it's empty. Mm-hmm. So 2B is, em- I don't know how he got in there, but he gets into 2B and it's It empty. was just open. But why would it be open? It's an apartment. Well, I mean, yeah, but they might have been showing it or selling it or re- renovating it. People might have been coming and going. Remember, the couch was still there. Yeah, but you don't leave the door open. Yeah. Anyway, it's a good excuse for him to go in there, I guess. But, you know, the sadness of empty places. I used to work at a pool in, in my um, right after college, and my girlfriend was a lifeguard. And I had to keep working. And so she went away to college, and I kept working. And so... 
when she was at college, I remember looking at the pool, like the pool in the fall, there'd be leaves in the pool. And I'd think, wow, that's where I used to have fun with my girlfriend and I miss her because <laughs> it's the people, you know, you see the empty place and the people haunt sure. it, you know, they remind you of it. Absolutely. Um, so people, you know, places are stamped with the people who used to be in them. I liked how he stopped in front of the couch. Remember, that's where he first saw Amia asleep and he stood there and stared at this red couch. Oh yeah. I didn't think about her being asleep there. Yeah. That's... Yeah. And it kind of, kind of conflicts with the image of Pamela a little bit later on that we'll talk about, but I thought that was interesting too. Do you think but they left the to... couch behind because she drooled on it when she was sleeping? Probably. I mean, you know, sure. Why would you move everything else but the couch? I don't know that you'd move everything to Hungary. Do you? Well, it had a good story effect. I guess it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But he um, sees Dr. Bigelow and the three-legged dog. Did we find out the dog's name? That's kind of important. Uh, Yeah, Tripoli. Is it? No, I just made that up. No. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Charles Grodin is so great, man. He is so great. He made this whole episode for me. The it guy, is better all the time. He's 79 years old now, and he's just such a genius, man. Or maybe Louis the genius because he gave him the words on the page. But all everything, every single thing he said was like golden. Some of that looks ad lib to me, particularly the part where he said a couple times, "I don't know your name." And stuff like that. I loved that. His right. delivery, perfect. So let's perfect. go through it. Do you remember some of the stuff he said? Um, well, yeah. He, um, he talks about how he doesn't understand why Louis, who deliberately took a chance on being happy, knowing that he would be sad if he was happy, and he's now sad what the problem was. And he yeah, called Louis. Yeah. He said, you took a chance. And that was like worth it because you, as, in essence, you paid for happiness with sadness now. And that missing her is love. Yeah. And when he yeah. said missing her is love, that's the real love. That made me think of him trying to teach Lily and Jane that learning to be sad is a part of life. That kind of validated that lesson that you can't, you can't just protect people from sadness because sadness, according to Grodin, and, to, and, and it reflected really – or resonated really strongly with me is that it does reflect the love that you have have had with someone. Yeah, I don't. I I didn't buy everything he said. I mean, I bought his acting of his perfect of a jaded man, but I don't think that's the good part. Although, when he said, "Soon it'll come that you won't remember her," and that will be the the bad part. And I thought there was something really, really deep in that statement and really rung true to me in a way that I've thought about a lot since then. And I hadn't really fleshed out yet. But that was, I thought that was a pretty profound thing. I yeah, I, I agree with him. I totally agree with everything he said. But sadness is the validation of the love that you had. And that, like, misery... Well, he says misery is wasted on the miserable. That's kind of catchphrasy, but like you're a walking poem. Don't be a fantasy ride like Disneyland. That's perfect. You know, don't don't just search for like glib and lightheartedness. It's like sadness can reflect deep meaning. I don't know. I, t I took a lot of that to heart. 
enjoy the heartbreak while you can because you'll soon forget her is essentially what he said and something about that i even made a note that something about that i had to stop and think about that and it really made me sad it made me sad in a that's true kind of way i think in a way it's supposed to make you happy though like if you feel sad there's a reason for it and it's a good thing in a in a way it's happy it's a it's a happy message we crave that that intense emotion that we feel when we love somebody and we, you know, and if we can learn to appreciate the missing of them, because eventually he's right, that will go away. Yeah. And it's, but everybody is bound to have that, right? You're going to, you're going to get separated from the one you love one way or the other. From someone you love, certainly. And the sadness is a, is a is a barometer of how much you lo- loved that person. It's not just a bad, negative, sad thing. It's like a yeah, but it's almost not with Louis. It's just like Louis wants this emotion. He didn't love Pamela that much. He, this this wasn't his soulmate, his life love. This wasn't anything like that. I don't think. Well, I'm this- going to take that lesson from Charles Charles Grodin for all of this, and not just what it might have meant to Louis. Okay. Because he follows it up with pick up the dog poop. Yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't remember Louis's name. And he doesn't care. And he tells him he may be the most single boring person he's ever met in his life. I mean, it's just great. And Louis's just standing there. I mean, what do you say to that? It's great. He does leave him with one other pretty profound thing, like, don't fall down. That was pretty good. Yeah, out of out of the blue. And Louis, you know, Louis's writing all this, too. It's like, I keep saying that, reminding myself that Louis has written this, but. Comes up, I'm com- actually glad you do that because, yeah, I, I start thinking it's conversation between two people. So I'm glad you do that. It reminds me as well. Right, because Louis comes across like the jester in the court of life and he's just like receiving all this inf- info. But he's the he's the conjurer. You know, he wrote all this stuff. Um, so next- and then as Louis walking away, he gets the text from Pamela, a photo, text, and she's flipping him off. Yeah, the FU picture. And he gets this kind of smile on his face, and and you can see the hope kind of start to build in Louis again, maybe. That this whole thing again reminded me that this is all about Louis. It's not about Pamela or Amia. Um, but I think we're going to see Pamela become an almost Amia-like love interest in Louis's life in this next in the next few episodes. Yeah, I'm thinking we might too after this one, but I'm, you just never know. You never know what course he's going to take. So, Louis tries to fire it up again right away with Pamela, but the cookie is gone. She doesn't want to let him. Nope, he didn't bite, so it's gone. And then she comes up with a profundity. She says, like, why are you mean to me and why do you like it? Well, he says, why are you so mean to me? And she goes, why do you like it? Yeah. Right. Why, yeah. She, the profound is, why do you like it, Louis? Why do you like me being mean to you? So Pamela helps when the babysitter cancels, and um, then they hear a gangland hit in the next booth. Like, they're right next to these two guys. God, they're like... I mean, it's like they're sitting with them or something with just like a little bar, you know, halfway separating them. They're eye to eye with these people. That was pretty cool. So Louis then at the comedy store, comedy scene, I don't know which, it was um, one of the comedy clubs, but... And the bit is like going to heaven or hell, and Louis says, "No one, there is no heaven. You just stand in a room." And there, there's only been a God since 1982. 
I don't know, I'm, I'm like encapsulizing this really roughly, but God is our father. What happened to our mother? What did he do to her? Um, they might be divorced. I do not understand why he he's so good at what he does. And then he throws in this religious stuff. It's almost like the, I don't know. It's so out of place, I think. Particularly, I mean, no, not particularly, but in this episode as well. It's just completely out of place, this kind of thing. And then he does go into a little bit of uh, uh, that men are afraid of women and wouldn't let women vote till 1920, and he goes into all that from there. But um, And that kind of took on maybe a little meaning. to, But he was basically, I think, saying that men are stronger physically than women, which I think we can't really do a whole lot of arguing with that as a general rule. And um, and then we kind of go on to the next scene. Well, he talks about the status of women. Like women have to be Mrs. Fred Johnson, you know, not, well, right. not the real name. And how women, how even women use like, I'm wearing this wife, wife beater shirt and like they, you know, they use the, they use these horrible, you know, colloquialisms that are just be, keeping women down. And he, he makes a crack about like, I'm wearing a wife beater shirt and child murder shorts. Yeah. I mean, I've called shirts wife. I'm, I'm in the South, you know, I mean, guys and some girls wear wife beater shirts. I wouldn't know what else to call it. You're I probably wearing one right it. now, aren't you, Michelle? I have never worn a wife beater shirt, but, um, how about child murder shorts? That's no, that's kind of crossing the, that that's a Louie cross the line. So, well, that's no. his, that's his MO, man. He pushes the, pushes the envelope so that you see the fact. Um, so next, Louis on the train, and he's, he sees this guy talking to everybody slash nobody. And then the guy he's talking to gets up and leaves, and Louis sits next to him. Which is, again, I mean, how kind is he? He's not kind. Gets, that's he, kind. Why would he do that? Because he's emphasizing that the thing you want to do is move as far away from that guy as possible. So sitting next to him makes you think like, oh, yeah, what would I do if I was near that guy in the train? And He wasn't being kind. He was emphasizing the point that the guy's crazy and you want to get as far away from him as possible. I don't think so. I don't think that's what he was doing. I think the, the lady got up when her stop came and the guy kept talking. And I think he felt sorry for the guy who, was, who continued his conversation as if the lady didn't get up, and he let him say a couple words, and he got up there and sat down and looked at him and started nodding and talking. I think he was showing that he is a good guy. He didn't want people looking at that guy like that, like he was crazy, which, you know, I mean, that was kind of crazy. And he was just trying to do his part. I see this again and again as a recurring theme with him. He tries to do his part... In society. And I appreciate that. And I kind of felt like that's what he was doing there. Well, you're entitled to your opinion. This is America. Okay. So he gets home to Pamela babysitting on the couch. And he had a couch um, reference coming up for Pamela. Yeah, the exact. Well, Amia was laying on the couch when he first met her. And she's all delicately laid and on her side. And she has like her hands folded under her face. And she's in some little skimpy, what, a slip maybe, or some kind of, you know, 
cutesy, flimsy material. And then you got Pamela on his couch, and she's like sprawled out like like a drunken sailor or something, you know, all askew and and kind of thrown sideways. I mean, just as as non-feminine as she could possibly make herself on Louis's couch. And he stands over her looking at her like he had just looked at Amia. I, I thought there was probably Well, something. I think he made Amia the exact opposite of Pamela for a reason. Like he's lonely and he's ready for female companionship, no matter what kind. Because like Amia would never flip Louis off in a, in a text message like that. Right, they're two totally different women. Sure, sure. So Louis is ready to soak up whatever affection he can get, and he does but he try has to a get a red that. couch too. I didn't notice that before. Pamela tries to leave, and we see another Amia-like attempt at affection by Louis. <laughs> I actually wrote, "What the hell?" I actually wrote that. That went so too far. What well, was going on with that? Louis can't even rape well. That's what Pamela tells him, yeah. And um, it's complicated. Like, without pushing her to that point, she would have never admitted that she liked, you know, that he, I think she almost admits that she liked, at the end of it, she liked kissing him. Yeah, what, I mean, did you see the kiss? I mean, she didn't kiss him. He, like, stuck his mouth to hers and made a puckery sound once she pushed him away and then, you know, when she likes wiping her mouth off, it was, it was a real juvenile way for her to act. I mean, and I realize she kind of does that with him. She kind of has that petulant child kind of persona with him sometimes. But it was a real juvenile way for her to act. And then, then she was like, oh, okay. And I wasn't really sure. I wasn't sure if she... I mean, she she agreed to it. I think they reached a point that they wouldn't have reached without Louis' inappropriate actions towards Pamela, though. Gosh, though, Mike, he's like dragging her through the apartment while she's holding on to furniture and dropping lamps and stuff off tables. I mean, it was it was a little much with her telling him no, and he's like pulling her shirt up, and she's really telling him no, and um. So what about the fact that they wouldn't have reached that understanding unless they had gone through all that? I don't know. I don't know. And it's like he said. He said, you know, you agreed to this. You said that you wanted this with me. And now you're, you know, so now it's going to happen. Now we're going to try this. And maybe if he had said that first <laughs> before he drug her through the yeah. apartment. I don't know. It's very complicated. but it's it but is. it's But it's... I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to say what's right and wrong because it because they do kind of leave it with an understanding. Um, but Pamela leaves and Louis doubles his fists and like yes, victory. <laughs> I know, and it was like that was just the opposite of anything that I would think of as a victory because she didn't respond to him. She just didn't mace him. So the whole, the whole thing ends with Louis on the bus with his daughters and he's teaching them more about New York and when, what to do if they're, if the bus broke down and they were two streets away from their school. Um, but they start to ask if, is, is Pamela your girlfriend? Mm -hmm. And he says, no, 
But then he says, don't tell mom. And they were like, why don't you want us to tell mom? That was pretty interesting. That was more complication in it. It's like, if she's not your girlfriend, why don't you care if we tell mom? Why don't you want mom to know? Well, either way, why don't you want mom to know? Right, either way. Yeah, what's the status of your romantic relationship is not to be shared with mom. Right. I mean, and we had just had it pointed out that Janet was talking to him about his relationship with Amia and then she kind of mocked him a little bit because he hadn't, they hadn't had sex yet. But she was mostly happy for him that she was kind of hoping that he had a real girlfriend like that he was having sex with. She was. Yeah, she was. And then when she found out that he didn't have what she considered a real relationship, then she kind of mocked him, maybe, a little. I don't know if mock's the right word, but she she was like, what's wrong with you? And so maybe he just doesn't want her to be a part of, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I can't imagine. It seems like it wouldn't be something Louis would do to ask his girls to lie to their mom, but I don't know. Yeah, it's not about lying to mom. It's about the reason why he didn't want her to know. On the bus, everybody's looking over at the guy who spit, like, are you serious? And nobody said a word. That's Louis emphasizing his status. Is like, I'm the downtrodden one that never gets the right, you know, righteousness doesn't come my way. Would you have spoken up if you saw somebody spit on the bus? Yeah, I guess. If it mattered, it didn't really matter, you know. Well, but he said it's it's part of his public transportation. His daughters take that bus maybe every day or every day they're with him to school. And they're going to be on this bus with these people. And he even makes a point. So what did, you, society. what did you think was the meaning of that scene? Um, Probably what you just said, that it just showed, you know, but it showed Louis again. He's in this, the guy's like, you stay over there. And Louis's like, well, I am over here. But it showed him being physical and not hurtful, but physical with Pamela, physical with Amia as far as throwing dishes and stuff like that, and then not physical with the bully and not physical, which, I mean, you wouldn't take that to a physical level, but with this guy. And all that stuff did kind of go through my head for a minute. But I I think you're probably right, thinking about it like that. That's probably just showing. Well, it would be stupid to be physical with your daughters there. I mean, what if he gets beat up and his daughters are left without protection? It would be stupid to be physical with somebody over something like that anyway. But um, I think it just, I mean, but it was stupid to be physical with, with Pamela. I don't know. It's not stupid or smart. It's what he learned. He learned it from Ivanka, like, make the cow yours. Oh, it sounds so crass to say it that way, but that's her, That's what she said, <laughs> or that's the words he put in her mouth. You know, he's following advice of this person about her, her, about her niece, and it seemed to work with Amia, right? She got close to him. He made her something more than she was before, and it, and it seemed to work with Pamela, too. Yeah, well, but it worked for Louie, and I think it hurt Amia. And I hope we don't see the same situation with Pamela. How do you think it hurt Amia? Because she got closer to him than she wanted to be. Well, that's, that's why she it, was the point keeping is that it made physical it close contact. To yeah, but, I mean, you don't do that at someone else's expense, do you? Well, there's three things here. There's one is... Just how do you get close to someone and physical 
if it's not sex, it's physical, you know, being physical with someone makes it more than if you're not. Then it's like, well, what happens if you if you love someone and they have to leave? If they love you more, it hurts more when they have to leave. That's something different, I think. The point the point with Ivanka was you have to be physical. And Louis took that point over to Pamela, and it seemed to produce the same results with Pamela. Like she admitted, it, they they got somehow closer, even though he forced his stupid kiss on her. Yeah, they did, I think, get closer. We'll see when we see her again. But I definitely took it that they got closer. She didn't she- slap him and say, screw you, don't ever call me, don't ever try to get with me again. You know, she didn't do the clear thing. It's, she did the opposite of that. She did. So, I don't know, that's about all I got. So, Michelle, if you had a hotel and your choice was the pool or the mountains for your view, what would you pick? Uh, the mountains. I picked the pool because I had to just drive <laughs> through all the mountains to get to the hotel. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, yeah, the pool, cool. It's like a Tus- Tuscany pool. It's like a really nice, like, Italian looking. But I'm on the 18th floor. So I need a freaking telescope to see down there. I was trying to say, so the pool's like a postage stamp below you, right? It's not quite a postage stamp, but it's it's pretty far away. You're going to put up some pictures, right? No, I'm not going to put up any pictures. Why? I'm going to go back to the casino and win another $1,200. Well, that would be good, but put up some pictures. Come on, share share with the world. Share pictures of what? Of your postage stamp pool and your... Lovely. I'll send you a picture. You're the only person in the world that cares. I don't know if that's true. But um, it is pretty cool. It's a nice place. It's got like this. um, It's got an Italian theme in the Tuscany Tower. It's got two shower heads in the shower. Oh, I like that. So um, you're golfing tomorrow? Saturday. Saturday. Oh, wow. Okay. So you'll be there for a while. Cool. Yep. So that's it. The password is, the website is westcoastproject.com. The Twitter handle is at scathingtweets. I've been getting a lot more tweets since our last podcast from Fargo. Oh, good. And, um. Only half of them are for me. How do do people reach you online, Michelle? Um, just through the Fargo TV, uh, Facebook page. (laughs) Through all the through all the numbers posted in various phone booths across <laughs> Central Tennessee, you get more calls than I do, and you're not even putting any info out. I do. I don't know why. I don't know why. All right. Well, um, I'm going to sign off from Reno, and I'll connect with you next week. Okay, that'll be great. Talk all right. to you then. Bye. Okay. Bye bye.